0: Which saint has been represented by Christian artists more frequently than any other saint other than Our Lady? This saint literally shows up in churches and public art throughout all the nations. Very likely, it's Saint Nicholas of Myra. Saint Nicholas, the patron saint of children. And St. Nicholas is who the church celebrates every December 6th, tomorrow. I remember growing up, very often on the morning of the 6th, there would be gold coins outside my door, forming a joyful path, leading me towards the living room, in front of the fireplace, where a stocking was hanging with my name on it. Filled with goodies. Over the years, those goodies got more and more healthy. When I was in seminary, in the dormitory of Soros that I was living, on the night of the 5th, I would put out my shoes in front of my door, and in the morning, they'd be filled with some candy. Still don't know. It's amazing how it works. And all of this, thanks All of this thanks to good St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas, who is still very much united with us and giving us his charity, his goodness. Nicholas was born in the fourth century in Asia Minor as an only child to Christian parents. Nicholas was very devout. He would fast on Wednesdays and Fridays, eating but one meal in the evening on those days. He was raised with a sincere thirst for true religion. When he was a young man, however, there was an epidemic which tragically took the lives of both of his parents. His inheritance left him quite well off. And he wanted to devote his inheritance to doing good. For the rest of his youth, he was raised by his uncle, who was a bishop in the city of Patara. Now, in the town of Patara, where they lived, there was a man who had three daughters. And this man lost all of his wealth and was very, very poor. The issue was that his daughters were becoming to reach the age of marriage. And he was unable to find husbands to marry his daughters because, of course, at the time, there was required a dowry that he had to pay. And he could not. So this poor man was struck with a terrible thought and situation. As happened at the time, he thought that he was going to have to sell his own daughters into slavery on the streets. Can you imagine? This man was very much in mourning and in misery at this prospect, and surely the daughters as well. For them to leave the house and enter into such a life of bondage might mean not ever coming out of it. Now, when a good portion of the Israelites, of God's people, went into captivity, into bondage in the Babylonian exile in 586 B.C., that too, for them, was a time of mourning. Perhaps they thought they would never come out of it. For many, it seemed like they would never return from their captivity. Yet through the preaching of the prophets, their hope was renewed that one day, worshipers would return to Jerusalem. It was in their years of captivity that the Lord spoke to them through those prophets to prepare their hearts to return not only to a place but also to a state of being more steadfastly devoted to the Lord. The prophets in that way prepared the way for the Lord so that at their return they would be a light to all the nations. In the prophetic book of Baruch, we heard in the first reading, it says those hopeful words Jerusalem, take off your robes of mourning and misery, and put on the splendor of the glory from God. Look to the east and to the west, and see your children in return, who were led away on foot by their enemies, but God will bring them back to you. God himself will bring them back. God's people in the Old Testament, you're probably familiar with, are often portrayed by the prophets to be like a bride gone astray. Gone over to idols. More specifically, the prophets make the analogy, Of a bride gone into prostitution. But God, who is faithful, never stops loving, never stops pursuing, and God Himself brings her back, not only from a foreign land, but also at the level of the heart. Like a faithful groom, God saves his bride from distress. So then, with great joy in the year 538 BC, they returned to Jerusalem from their captivity, streaming in from the east and from the west, as imaged by that great highway, mountains being lowered and valleys being raised to create a secure path for their return, for them to surely come and give worship to the Lord, and in doing so, bearing witness to all the nations." that's not the end of the story, right? Now, 40 years after their return, the notion began to develop that there would be a coming Messiah, a descendant of the King David, who would arise to rule the kingdom, a Messiah whose kingdom would last for all the ages. This notion developed as God never stopped forming their hearts, preparing humanity to return in a radical way to him. He was doing this ever since the fall. And now today we heard how John the Baptist, who is often called the last of the prophets, cried out in the desert, preaching that message of repentance in final preparation for Jesus. Jesus. Preparation for Jesus, who was, who is, that descendant of David. Preparing their hearts for his public ministry, to receive the words of salvation, the good news of the gospel. Jesus himself would describe his ministry as being the good bridegroom coming for his bride, who had gone astray to make her pure and spotless, as St. Paul often says Christ did. A ministry that would result in sending his bride, the church, to make disciples of all the nations. Like God did for his people throughout the ages, he continues to prepare our own hearts to receive the news of the gospel anew. He continues to call us to repentance. Jesus continues to offer his saving grace to us, to free us from the captivity of sin and death, to lead us into his light. He does so even for those who least expect it, even for those who are poor in spirit, which... We all, in different ways, are poor in need of God's grace. That's, my friends, is why St. Nicholas is such a great image of Christ. Recall this man with the three daughters in the town of Patara, unable to pay the dowry for their marriage, worried that he has to sell them into slavery, Nicholas became informed of this, and he took a bag of gold, came to their house at night, and threw the bag into their home, landing in a pair of shoes before their stove. It said that this was the dowry they needed for the oldest daughter to marry. And on two more occasions and intervals, Nicholas did the same thing. The last time, the father was on the watch, looking to see who this gracious benefactor was. And he recognized Nicholas and overwhelmed him with gratitude. I know I'm always grateful for the treats that I wake up to on December 6th, thanks to St. Nicholas's goodness, And that attitude of gratitude is one that Christians must always have before the Lord. The very word Eucharist as we turn to celebrate the Eucharist means Thanksgiving, right? And we thank Jesus for coming to us in this Mass. We thank Jesus for coming to us in our lives to save us. He comes to prepare our hearts. In many ways, for the second coming, when he comes to rule his kingdom for all ages. And in preparation to celebrate with joy his birth as we gather once again later on in Christmas. May God bless you and keep you all in his loving arms. Amen.